This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Hi, I'm Ralph Tucker from Tucker Media. The year 2020 has certainly presented challenges for everyone across the world. In 2020 Revision, I'll chat to a cross-section of the community about their experiences and learnings in this truly unique period of history. From business owners, to professional athletes, to new mums, everyone will share their stories. And to give it an authentic 2020 feel, I've recorded these chats at my kitchen table over Zoom. Chad Townsend, welcome to 2020 Revision. Thanks for having us, Ralph. It's good to be here. No worries. Now, you're a first-grade rugby league player for the Cronulla Sharks in the NRL. I want you to take me through your 2020, which has been a crazy year for everyone, and you're no different. Yeah, 100%. Look, obviously, COVID and the challenges it's um, presented has affected all of us, and us as professional athletes, you know, we're no different. Uh, Obviously, you know, our season was suspended, uh, earlier in the year and there was a lot of I guess you know uncertainty about what would happen with the season if we could get back to playing uh, for us you know it was just about trying to stay fit and stay ready so when and if there was an announcement that the season would return that we'd be ready to go and you know it turned out that you know the Peter Valandis the ARL commissioner done an outstanding job of getting the game back and you know, us players had to go into a, in a tour bubble and make some pretty big sacrifices around, you know, what we could and couldn't do throughout our life in 2020. And, uh, you know, the best thing for all of us, uh, us as athletes, fans, you know, media, that we could get the game back on and, and put some smiles on some faces and, uh, you know, do what we all love. You mentioned the bubble there and the strict biosecurity protocols that the NRL issued. Just for people out there, that may not be aware of those things, they were very different to the, the general public. So perhaps outline what you had to do on a, on a day-to-day basis just to keep the game going. Uh, you know, a normal day for us would be you know, wake up. First thing we'd have to be is fill out an app, which would be a symptom checker. So basically uh, take our temperature, uh, log it on the app, then also log that we don't have any symptoms. And then if, if we'd been anywhere in the, in the previous 24 hours, uh, such as, you know, going to do some groceries, which was one of the limited things we could do. We had to basically log it on the app and the time that we were there. And then once that app was done, we'd go into training. Uh, then we'd have to clean our shoes before we'd enter into the clean zone, get our temperature taken again. And then basically we weren't allowed to leave the facility pretty much the, the whole day. And then once we did uh, finish up training, then we'd have to go straight home. So that was pretty much our lives uh, was just at home or in at the training facility. So um, on our days off, found like, you know, the only time you could leave your house was if you went into training. So a lot of the boys would go in and get some extra physio or extra massage or uh, speak to the coaches just to get out of the house, basically. What were the feelings like amongst the group of players? I mean, obviously, initially, as you said, you would have done anything to get the game up and running, but they are pretty unique circumstances pretty much to live for six or seven months and go through that process. What was the feeling amongst the playing group as the season went on and, and things became a little bit more more difficult? The biggest thing that we wanted to do as a playing group and, and the RLPA really communicated this for us is that we wanted to get back playing as soon as possible because, you know, we're no different to 
everyone else. Like we've got bills, we've got mortgages to pay, we've got families who rely on us to bring in income. So uh, for us, you know, we just wanted to get the game back up and running. And then uh, once we did, you know, it was a bit of a relief for a lot of our players because, you know, especially some of our younger players who, you know, weren't really sure and, you know, sort of hadn't really found their voices yet would come and sort of speak to our senior players and, and ask the questions because, you know, they were a little bit worried about what would happen with their contracts and with their money and, and things like that because at the end of the day it was um, – uh, like I said, a big sacrifice, especially, you know, financially as well. We took a hit, you know, as well as a lot of other people. So, uh, you know, like I said, it was just a great thing that we could get back on the field and, and do what we all really love doing. Rugby league clubs, I guess, are, are no different to any other workplaces. There's different personalities that are involved in, in, in each club. Obviously, some guys would have handled the situation more differently than others. Other people would have been probably finding it a whole lot more difficult. You're a guy that likes to use your time effectively and, and keep busy, but there are other players that perhaps um, struggle with idle time. Yeah, 100%. Look, uh, myself, I'm someone who really likes structure and routine. So uh, for me, I really just planned out my training, uh, my training schedule, what I needed to do each and every day. I like to get up at the same time every morning. I like to get up at five o'clock basically get up before my kids uh, get going and try and attack the day. But um, yeah, look, there's some players and I don't, I don't want to go into too many names, but there's some players who are, you know, for example, from New Zealand and are single. So they don't have a partner, but they live by themselves in their own unit. So, you know, I'm lucky I'll come home to my wife and two children and can have some conversation and play with my kids and, I'm lucky enough I've, I live in a house and I've got a backyard throughout the year so I could go and, you know, play in the backyard and go in the pool. But some of our teammates, like I just mentioned, you know, would go home, no conversation for, you know, 12 hours. So, um, you know, mentally that definitely took its toll, you know, and, and it's just great that, you know, some of the players in our team, you know, they spoke up about that and we wanted to make sure as teammates that, you know, we were there for one another throughout what was definitely the most challenging year I think we've ever had. Yeah, it certainly was was difficult, and I think the uh, general public has sort of got to get a bit more of a, an appreciation as to to what the the players went through during the the twenty twenty season. Uh, I mean, overall, when you you look back at it, despite what may seem very difficult at the time, the ARL Commission and the, the NRL had done an amazing job in terms of getting the game back on track, and the fact that there were no positive. COVID tests across the season really highlights the fact that, okay, while it may have seemed strict, there was obviously a reason for that. You know, looking back on it now, I think the ARL, led by Peter Valiant, he's done an outstanding job. And, you know, potentially we could have kept the season going. Uh, you know, we had, you know, like I just mentioned before, some really strict biosecurity measures. And the fact that not one single NRL player or, you know, top squad member from any team, uh, you know, contracted the coronavirus, I think, is a massive positive and showed that, you know, us as players, we were, you know, abiding really strictly by these protocols because we wanted to get back on the field and we wanted to get paid. So, uh, you know, I'm a massive American sports fan and um, I, I love my NFL and, you know, those guys seem to be getting coronavirus every single week. There's guys missing games left, right and centre. And at the end of the day, it, it's, you know, it sucks that they're getting, obviously, what is coronavirus, but... They're missing out on playing football and, and the only person that the people that get hurt are their teammates. So for us, you know, it was a huge point that we wanted to, you know, make sure that everyone really stuck by the rules because we couldn't afford to 
you know, have one of our really good players, you know, miss out on a game for two weeks or have to go into isolation. So um, that was, you know, at the front of our minds. Do you think in some ways the difficulties and the adversity and all of the things that you guys went through as a club kind of brought you guys a little bit closer together because you're living the same experience, right? Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, when you go through a little bit of hardship with a, with a group, it really creates like a bonding bonding culture. And for us, you know, even like on the, on the days where we would travel interstate for trips. So in the NRL, we're used to going sometimes two days, but most of the time a day before our game, we'd stay in a hotel and then we'd, we'd play. And then depending on the time of the game, we'd either stay the night after and fly home the next morning. So uh, for us this year, we would fly in a, in a private plane pretty much on, on game day. So wake up in the morning, go straight to Bankstown Airport. And then pretty much it's so different. Like you don't walk through customs or you don't, you know, walk through your bag x-ray or anything. You just walk in, get your name kicked off and walk straight on the tarmac and then onto the plane. And then there's no allocated seats. You just sit wherever you want. The uh, senior players get to sit up front. Rookies are at the back. So, uh, you know, quite a different challenge. And obviously you fly, get to the green, uh, land, a bus is waiting on the tarmac, uh, get straight on the bus, go straight to the ground. And then we're kind of up in this function room in the stadium for, you know, a few hours before we need to get ready. And a lot of the boys just like to chill out then, uh, maybe, you know, have a bit of a stretch, have a bit of a feed and then, play the game and then after the game it's straight on the bus straight back to the airport on the tarmac walk onto the plane straight away and then fly home so sometimes you know we'd be getting home at, at 2 a.m in the morning but uh, we actually had a really successful record when we're flying on the game day so maybe we might even look at it in the future i was going to say are there any changes or anything that you experienced this year that you kind of had a bit of an aha moment that this may be the, the way of the future given you were sort of forced into these circumstances but in a lot of these situations and I guess the parallel has sort of all also been drawn to workplaces across the country that while it was difficult at the time there are new ways of doing things and there there may be better ways of doing things in the future and, and improvements can be be made based on the experiences of 2020. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think if we use that example of the plane, I think that's definitely one. You know, uh, if I had to pick one, whether it would be go the day before or fly on game day, like I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, like I said, we had a really good track record of, of uh, results when we would fly in on game day. But I think the thing that I really learned throughout this whole pandemic during the year was, you know, the importance of technology and, and how well or how how good we can use technology to our advantage. I think, you know, you, you reminds me a bit of the Jetsons a while ago when you're a bit younger and you see all, you know, how futuristic they were as a cartoon. But now it seems that, you know, a lot of places, a lot of workplaces, you know, a lot of people working from home and it just goes to show, I guess, that they can do their job at home. So potentially, you know, we might see some changes there, but um, I'm sure there are a few other things that the football club has definitely learned that, you know, we'll definitely implement, you know, moving forward. Now, I mentioned you're a guy that likes to make use of your time. So during this period, you're working feverishly behind the scenes on, on a side hustle. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, actually a, a few mates and myself, we've been working on uh, our company for about 12 months and we just launched about a month and a half ago and we've started a independent craft beer company called Cronulla Beer Co. You can check it out at www.cronullabeerco.com.au. But, yeah, look, it's basically, um, you know, a few mates and I, and it sort of started with uh, one of my best mates who I grew up with and played football with, went to school with. He, 
he came to me in December and, you know, we, we, we grew up together and we always wanted to start a business with each other. And, uh, you know, we we're big fans of this show called Rob Dyrdek Fantasy Factory on MTV when we were kids. And, and uh, he came to me in December. We were just having a beer and a cheese putter out the back of mine over the holidays. And he said to me, mate, what do you think of Cronulla Buco? And I was like, man just gave me tingles down my back and then the next day we we registered the business name and we pretty much moved into the phase of trying to start the business what sort of stuff we needed to do to get it up and running and it was things like licensing uh, trademarking you know building the websites um, and then yeah over the course of basically about 12 months and, and it was actually obviously you know using COVID to our advantage the fact that we did have that spare time where we could you know do a little bit of work on it you know when the season was paused and, and a lot of our meetings were on Zoom throughout the year uh, didn't get to see a lot of the boys for a, for a long time so but yeah we've launched about a month and a half ago and we've had some tremendous support we've basically sold out all of our online sales twice we uh, have some incredible you know, restaurants, pubs and bars around the local area who are, you know, really, really supporting us, you know, uh, Highfield, uh, Public House, the Botanical, uh, Miranda Hotel, Tarrant Hotel, the Prince, all those pubs, really nice pubs. And then down in Cronulla, places like Nextdoor, uh, Zinc Bar, Ridges, um, Croydon Lane, Cronulla Kitchen. You know, there's a full list on our website on the locations tab, but you know, it's been an incredible ride so far in business and I've always been interested in business and I've always wanted to start one and, and this one, you know, it is, uh, it's been really enjoyable. So how does it then, I guess, for most people out there, go from a couple of mates having a beer to all of a sudden launching your own company? Like that must be one hell of a ride in terms of we've sort of taken it from its very base level point of view uh, of an idea to actually launching it and being up and running within the space of 12 months. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think obviously, uh, you know, when my best mate came to me with the idea and we're obviously like, you know, for myself, I'm obviously I play in the NRL, I'm a professional athlete. I don't have the time to do the whole thing with just the two of us. So what we did was we really thought closely about who would, you know, who would come in and, um, you know, we ended up having a chat to uh, Tim, who's now our head brewer, who basically... Uh, my best mate, who, he owns a gym and he's a personal trainer. And he's been training there for a long time, but he'd been brewing beer in his garage for about 10 years and floated the idea to him. And he was just like, you know, got chills on his back as well. So basically, you know, brought Tim on in the role of, you know, brewing. And, and he's really just taken it to the next level. Yes, over that 12-month period where we were kind of trying to do all the um, administration stuff and, and get that all above, you know, ready to go. Uh, Tim was hard at work brewing beers in his garage and uh, we had a blind tasting night, which I didn't attend because it was you know, COVID. But basically we had uh, you know, 10 different beers and, and there was about 20 people there and they all got uh, a beer and had to rate it you know, out of 10 and, and write some notes on it. And, and our beer ended up coming in second. So that was when we knew we, we, had, a, we had a winner. But you know, up to that point, we, or Tim, sorry, he would brew two beers at a time. So he'd brew two beers we'd hand them out to friends and family, get some feedback, and then we'd pick one. And then he might, uh, you know, change it again, brew two more, and end up doing that about eight or ten times. And then if that got to the point where we finally had the one, had that uh, blind tasting night, and then we just were like, boom, 
all right, this is the recipe. Now we just need to scale. And we found a, a brewing partner who, you know, has been incredible and that we've been able to scale. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So how do you then go from, from that to just sort of the buzz then, I guess, of knowing that it's going to be in all of these premises across the Sutherland Shire and then, then launched as an official product? That must have been some moment as well. Yeah, definitely. Look, we had a goal at the start of the year to have our beer, you know, in cans and in a case. And then basically, you know, we're on social media for a little bit and we're trying to, you know, just get the get the brand out there. But we did, we hadn't had beer yet. You know, we, we, we had blogs telling the story, but we hadn't had beer yet. We're still waiting on our license to um, to be done. So, you know, once it, once it was completed, we basically you know, either reached out to some establishments or they reached out to us. And then what we did was we took our sample can down pretty much straight away once they sort of uh, said that they were interested in, you know, stocking us. And we uh, took some photos and uh, promoted it on social media. And then once we, you know, had our beer in there, we just wanted to, you know, kind of look after the, the establishments that have, I guess, looked after us and taken us on and kind of taken a punt with us as well because, you know, a brand new, beer a local beer you know we weren't really sure about how it would go or how people would receive it but you know people have been really super supportive and it's been sold out in a lot of places we dropped off uh 20 cartons to a bottle shop in Cronulla the other day and they sold out within six hours so it has been you know an incredible journey and we've actually just had a meeting yesterday we meet once a week about trying to you know increase production and try and keep up with the demand at the moment so i should expect a case in the next week or two at my place. I'm happy to be yeah, well, I don't have any case to give you at the moment, <laughs> but I will. I'll have to get, you might have to get Louis one too, all, all the ABC boys for sure. Also, you run a, a pretty successful podcast as well. How have you found sort of the transition into that? You started that last off-season. That must seem like, you know, a lifetime ago, but you enjoy that side of thing as well? Yeah, definitely. Look, um, you know, podcasting and media has always been something that I've really been interested in. I've got a YouTube channel as well where I throw a few vlogs on. And you know, I guess this sort of stems back from my childhood as well. Like I was someone who grew up in the 90s. I loved watching the Jackass Boys led by Johnny Knoxville. We used to make home videos. And as I've grown older, you know, really been interested in the media side of things. And I started a podcast, you know, just over 12 months ago called the Talk of the Town podcast. But just recently this off-season, I rebranded the podcast to the Chad Townsend show. And uh, I get a lot of my inspiration from American sports. I really like uh, this guy by the name of Pat McAfee and he runs the Pat McAfee show on, on YouTube, which is live uh, every single day. And, and he talks obviously a lot of American sports, but you know, for me, I really want to, I guess, try and learn from the American sports. And I really feel like they lead the way in terms of media and, and how they produce their content. So trying to bring it down here and I guess just trying to be myself like you know there's a, a handful of other NRL players who do podcasts that have just started as well and I would really encourage it I think you know once you put yourself out there and uh you know you have fun with it and a lot of people are really super support, supportive of it sorry so at the end of the day you know football and rugby league is, is my number one but I've got passions outside of the game as well that you know keep me busy and I'm someone who likes to be busy. I mean, you look at that and you say you get your inspirations from American sports and I think it's going to be something that's going to be something of the future where players are able to create their own content 
there's obviously advantages to having a, a brand out there where you represent yourself rather than you being, one of a better term, misrepresented by certain sections of the media. It gives you the power back to respond to certain things. So that's obviously something that you see at the way, way of the future. It's not for everybody. But it's yeah. for those, those players that have, have got the confidence in themselves to sort of back their own ability and, and, and create their own identity for something that could lead to, to anything in a post-football career. Yeah, one, 100%. Look, I think brand is it's an on-trend word at the moment and it is so important. And I guess for me personally, I guess you know, while I'm still playing in, in the NRL, you know, got a little bit of a profile you know, I want to build a brand where, you know, people know who I am. So, you know, once I've finished playing football, people understand the person who I am. I've got, you know, a whole professional career on, on the board and, and um, you know, people can see that, you know, my brand, it's it's super positive. I'm always sharing positive things on social media and I really would encourage other players to use social media more. I'm someone who uses social media a lot and I like to use it in a positive way and, uh, if someone writes a positive comment to me or, you know, says something nice, I'll like it or I'll respond to you. Like, I'm, I'm about that. But, you know, you always get the people who want to be negative and have, and have a go at you. And that's just, unfortunately, it's it's part of life in 2020 on social media. So, you know, that's probably the dark side. But um, I think branding, it's, it's super important and it does take a little bit of time. But, you know, once you get it right, it, it really can be helpful. Well, the draw is out for 2021 and you guys play the Dragons first up, I think on a Sunday night at 6.30, unusual time slot at Cogra. But what are you looking forward to most in 2021? No bubble? Yeah, I'm looking forward to no bubble, uh, definitely. That'd be that'd be a huge win for us. Uh, but for me, look, I think, I, you know, if I was to look over our last two years at the Sharks, you know, we finished in 7th and 8th and... Uh, it's been pretty disappointing for us. Obviously, you know, in the previous years, we, we had a bit of success there and finished in the top four regularly and obviously had the premiership as well in 2016. So, you know, I think consistency is where we need to improve on our performances, especially with our defence. You know, I think we're averaging about 24 points against this year and you compare that to the top two teams in Melbourne and the, uh, the Panthers, sorry, who are averaging around 12 or 13. It's um, quite a difference. Nearly two two tries, sorry. So, uh, you know, that's our biggest improvement. We'll have pretty much a very similar squad as we did to, to last year. A few guys coming off some off-season surgery. You know, Sean Johnson will probably miss half the year. And then, you know, our, our young rookies who had outstanding years, Sipa Talakai and Royce Hunt, uh, they're coming off surgery as well. But the rest of the boys are all fit and healthy. Uh, really looking forward to seeing how Matt Moylan goes this year. And it's a big year for him to get back on the park. But, um you know, it's an exciting time. I love, you know, getting back to training in the off-season and then uh, building towards a season with no bubble will be, you know, a big win for us. Chad Townsend, thanks for joining us on 2020 Revision. No worries, Rob. Thanks for having us. 